Well, good morning, Cornerstone. How are you all doing today? You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a blessing to sit on the side and listen to the voices of the saints. Uh, true blessing. So this morning, um, before I start, I, I want to let you know that I got here a little early this morning, listened to the worship music, and, and was just praying. And it was great to just sit here. And I, there's a lot of faces I can remember where they see it each and every week and, and just praying for, for different people and different situations. And just being... Um, involved in praying for one another is, is, uh, is a true blessing. So I would love for us to start this morning in prayer. Could you, if you can, Dan, please do so. If you have to sit down, you can do that as well. But let's, let's join together in prayer. Father, you are an amazing God, Lord. We are so grateful, first of all, Lord, that you woke us up this morning to um, share another day in serving you, Father, a day that's beautiful, a day that you created, Father, for us, Lord. Help us to be a church, Lord, that is on mission for you, just as we learned uh, through Christina's miss, uh, missionary and, and ministry, Father, that God, thank you for just the opportunity for Cornerstone to be involved in spreading the gospel to other parts of the world, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for your provisions in that, Lord. Thank you for the people that have gone out to do this. Thank you for the ones that have the heart to pray, Lord. But Father, for this morning, uh, be with us, Father. Um, Father, I pray for the hearts of everyone that's in here this morning that you start to soften those. Lord, I pray that you, through me, Father, speak to them, Lord. I don't want to do this on my ability, but I want you, Lord, to be proclaimed and praised this morning, Lord. So thank you for who you are. Amen. All right, well, thank you for that. So we've been in the book of Thessalonians for uh, several weeks now, actually a couple months. And what I wanted to do before we jumped into the next chapter, we're, gonna, we're moving from chapter two to chapter three. I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about the faithfulness of God. And we see him uh, throughout the Bible in many, many ways, right? So this morning, um, I just wanted to just talk about what reminded me of him. Like, so in the... So as we've been learning this inside of Thessalonians, that his greatness, his faithfulness, his devotion to us, and then how we can come and call on him, right? The other thing is to think about is that he's been this faithful God, not only today for us, he's been a faithful God all the way back, right? He's been a faithful God all the way back to even the beginning, if you, if you think about uh, even in the book of Exodus, right? Especially, we see how God works through Moses to, to do what? To rescue uh, the um, Israelites from the Egyptian Pharaoh and bring them out of slavery. Here we see this sovereign hand of God form them together as a nation that he calls his people, right? How faithful is that? And he doesn't stop there. He continues over and over again to have his hand over them as he brings them into the promised land as we've read in Exodus, right? They've seen his hand at work day in, day out, night. He's provided food for them. He's provided every need. But even in the midst of their, 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 their blessings, they grumble. They continue to grumble about what? About the lack of food, about the lack of water. But through that, God continues to be faithful to them, right? He doesn't stop. He keeps showing himself to them. 
And it's interesting, he, he knew their hearts from the beginning, right? It says in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 24, you have been rebellious against the Lord from the day I knew you. So he knew before that even though he blessed them and he walked them out of slavery into the promised land, that they would continue to grumble. But he was a faithful God, he showed himself. No matter how much they, they rebelled against him for, and, and what they had, you know, knowing or not knowing what he had done for him, there were times that, you remember, that he wanted to blot them out. But there was faithful men like Moses that prayed for those people to say, look, God, forgive them. Continue to bless them, and he did that. And even for us today, we see that faithfulness of God in our lives each and every day. But we also, ourselves, can be rebellious. But God takes care of our needs. He shows himself over and over again that he is faithful and that he sustains us. His faithfulness to his people is written throughout the Bible. And there's so many stories of that. There's many more that I could even cover here. And this should remind us about the goodness of God and his faithful to his children, to us. We should be reminded that we can trust God and who he is. We can trust the gospel and the message that it brings to us. And we can trust and have confidence in our salvation. And just like the Israelites... We can sometimes be quick to forget how good and faithful God to us. But in the midst of whatever difficulty that we're going through, God continues to prove himself faithful over and over again. So before I get into chapter three, I wanted to go back and talk about a little bit about the last two verses of chapter two. So we saw there that Paul prayed for the church. He prayed that the Lord would do a work in them, that he prayed that God who has loved them would give them comfort, right? And by God's grace, they would remain always in the Holy Spirit. So what people pray for today are, are many things. People pray for friends and family. People pray for uh, personal difficulties, for, 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 for help during that time. They pray and give thanks and blessings for their lives. People pray for the sin in their life, that they could be helped, that that could be taken away from them, that they're not caught up in sin. They pray for others during natural disasters, and for our own future, right? And our own prosperity. Also, we pray a lot for non-believers to come to know, to know the Lord. But here, Paul's prayer in these last two verses gives you an insight of the heart of Pastor Paul and his prayer for the Thessalonians. And it's the same prayer that for us. It says in, bring the slide up. It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the last two verses, 16 and 17, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Through this prayer, Paul wanted to encourage the Thessalonians in two areas of their Christian walk, in their word and in their walk. They're basically their saying and their doing, right? What they do and what they say. If our walk contradicts our words, we lose what? Our testimony in life. So it's important for Paul, for the Thessalonians to do what you say you're doing and walk the way you say you're walking. Our work and our word must be steadily practiced. We can't just do this occasionally. We can't just do this when we think about it. It's not an occasional effort for us. It's a constant effort. We must be established or grounded in our words and our works. You might even ask, how is this even possible? Well, only God can do this by his grace and what Paul desired, this is what Paul desired for the Thessalonians. 
God has given us eternal encouragement and hope through grace to do this. He knows that we can't do this on our own, but he knows through Jesus Christ we can do that. Paul was encouraging them to walk to please God, not to please themselves, but to please God. And he wanted them to put what they learned into practice. So John uh, 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. You see here, Paul prayed that the Thessalonians would produce fruit from what they were being taught. This abiding relationship between the vine and the branches is like Jesus and us, right? We must be cultivated in our Christian life, must be pruned, right? And this is what Christ does in his work to us and through us. Abiding in Christ means that that demands worship. Abiding in Christ means that we meditate on God's word. Abiding in Christ means that we are in prayer. It means that we sacrifice and that we serve one another. What a joyful experience it is to develop a deeper communion with Christ, in Christ, knowing that. So Paul ends this section of this letter praying for the Thessalonians. He starts the next section asking for prayer. It says in, um, it actually in second, how he's ending, he says, finally, brothers, in chapter three, verse one through five, he says, finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. See, Paul here prays, finally, brothers. He's almost at the end of his ministry towards those people. It's like he's saying, almost saying goodbye, but he wants to make sure that they pray for him. That the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, and that's happened among you. And Paul's asking the Thessalonians to pray that the word, the word or the gospel of Christ, that it that he'd been preaching, him and uh, Silvanus and Timothy, that they had been preaching over and over again that it, may be, that it may speed ahead. This is the same word that the Lord had brought the Thessalonians to salvation with. There's no different. Paul wants to make sure that as the gospel is preached, it would be honored. Pray for us that the same word you received, the same things that you were taught, would be honored among others as well. Paul's saying, share what I've done. You've learned everything that I've taught you. Now it's your, tur- your turn to now go and among the people and teach that. Notice that he wanted to pray for them, for others, just as it happened among them. He's saying, among you, the church of Thessalonica, you are capable of doing this yourself. So you ask, why would Paul ask for prayer? Paul was aware that his strength came from the Lord. It didn't come from him. He knew his strength came, didn't come from his own abilities, but it came from the Lord. And he needed prayer that he would remain faithful and he would be effective bringing the gospel to the world. So we see this. This isn't the only time that Paul has prayed. Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. He says, and also for me, 
that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. You know, Paul is an amazing man of God, an amazing man of faith. He was someone that was beaten, that was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned for his faith. All that Paul went through never stopped him. He continued to spread the gospel wherever he went. He trusted and remained faithful to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter the cost. Paul was encouraged that the Thessalonians remained faithful during their persecution, as we learned back in 1 Thessalonians. Paul gave them thanks for their work of faith. He gave them thanks for their labor of love and a steadfastness hope in Jesus Christ. It was Paul's desire to be sold out for God, and he knew that as he brought the gospel forward, there would be continued persecution for that reason, and he needed prayer. Paul's vision was that the, the word of God, the gospel, would be heard throughout the world. And he wanted the Thessalonians to continue their effort in helping the gospel to be, speed, to be sped ahead so, and to be preached to everybody. Jesus taught this to his disciples to hunger this way in John chapter 4, verse 35. He says, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. He's saying, open up your eyes. See that there are many perishing. Go bring them the good news. And that was Paul's heart. So just like Paul, just like the Thessalonians, we need to be on mission to spread the gospel to everyone, to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And as Paul's vision again for everybody to hear the gospel, the anchor or core of Paul's heart was the gospel. That was built in him. He lived for that. Everything he did, everything he said, it was seen through the lens of Jesus Christ, not through his lens, through the lens of Jesus Christ. Paul says in this, these verses, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, that the word of the Lord may, would speed rapidly and it would be effective, that the gospel is glorified when people receive Christ and that they are victorious as they live in him. Paul knows that he can't control how people receive the gospel, but he can only pray that people receive it. At this point, you can imagine how the Thessalonians felt when they received this letter. Paul's their spiritual leader, right? He's their spiritual advisor, and he's asking them for prayer. They'd say, no way, you gotta be kidding me. They probably are saying, Paul, you are the one that has a direct line to God. You're the one that, that, that knows him better than we do. But you know what? We all know him the same way. We all have that same direct line to God. There are, the elders are men that are, uh, you know, holding, upholding scripture and praying constantly for you. But we're no different than you guys are. We pray the same. We pray for the same things. We are a praying church together, right? Um, but in all reality, right? I, like I said, is we have this same direct line to God. God hears us all the same. So brothers and sisters, I can, I can tell you firsthand as being one of your spiritual leaders here at Cornerstone, Cornerstone leaders covet your prayers. We love praying for you. We love praying with you. We love that you pray for others. And we love that you join us together in praying for one another. One of the great preachers, Charles Spurgeon, never took credit for the success of his ministry. Instead, 
He was always pointing to hundreds of people who came before service and prayed God's blessing. Spurgeon was often found calling these, or fond calling these prayer gatherings the church's boiler room, in a place that was not the sanctuary, a place that was back off to the side. People were in Sunday morning praying. And he said, any success had come from God in answer to their prayers. It's amazing. In the same way as Paul or Charles Spurgeon or Cornerstone leadership, we depend on the prayers of the body. Paul goes on in verse two and he says, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith. There were people persecuting Paul wherever they went. So the prayer is not only that the word of the Lord goes out in power, but the, also that God's hand would be upon them for safety against wicked and evil men, for those that wanted to stop them from spreading the gospel. You see, wicked men are those capable of causing pain and trouble, and evil men are those capable of horrendous acts against someone else. Man is so capable of doing evil things. For example, in the recent shootings and stabbings in our nation, as horrific and horrendous as that is, we're not going to avoid it. We're not going to be able to stop it. But we can be praying that it would be stopped. We could be praying that we are delivered from it. Resistance from the, to the gospel is inevitable, right? And we would say, why? Because not all have faith. Not all are going to receive the gospel. Not all have faith and live a faithful life. And sometimes wicked men will do anything and everything that they can do to prevent the preaching of the gospel. It's common when you are preaching the word of God that there are those that oppose it. And often, they'll do whatever it takes to stop that. It happened then, it happened now. Evil exists because we not all have faith in Jesus Christ. And because we don't have faith, we live worldly, fleshly lives, and evil exists. You see, we're in kind of the same boat as the Thessalonians were at that time. We go through many challenges and persecutions, as they went through, we, we hear the good news, we respond to it. We accept Jesus into our hearts. We start proclaiming the gospel to our unbelieving friends, our family, and our coworkers and neighbors. And then persecution starts, right? Media goes after us, our friends go after us. It's inevitable, it will happen. We have to stand firm in the Lord. We are not going to escape that kind of effort. We see that prayer is important to Paul. And he knows that when the Thessalonians pray together, they knit their hearts together in one accord. Paul knows that praying together creates intimacy and spiritual bonding of their hearts. And how, par how powerful is prayer when the entire body is praying together in one accord for the same thing. So I want to take a few minutes for us to get together and pray. You can take time to, uh, uh, you know, knitting our, our, our prayer together, knitting our spiritual bonding together for just for a couple minutes. I think it's pertinent right now. You can remain seated, you can kneel if you can, or you can even stand. But yet or yet, better yet, grab someone next to you and let's spend some time in prayer.
All right, let's pray for the families that have lost loved ones in the tra tragic events the last couple weeks. Pray that the church, that we, the body of Christ, would come alongside these families and bring the good news of Jesus Christ. Take a minute to pray that, please. Pray for one another that we would be a church that loves Jesus and is seen hard at work, working to spread the gospel to all that do not know him. Pray that the people of Iran, pray for them that they come to know who Jesus Christ is. Pray that the gospel is not hindered and that it too speeds ahead in honor to all that need to hear the good news. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we can come before you, Father, and you faithfully hear our prayers. Thank you for these voices, Lord, voices that are lifted up to you. We're thankful that you hear each and every one, Father. We're thankful that we can gather together here today and knit our prayers together, that you give us a spiritual bonding together, Father, as a church, as a body, Lord, as a family. We are so, so grateful, Lord, for all that you do in our hearts. So we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you. I
I really felt compelled that we needed to spend time doing that. So Paul goes on in verse 3. He says, For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. We have God's faithful protection. He tells us that. He promises that. He also goes in, if we learn back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24, he says, he who calls you faithful, he surely will do it. How faithful is that to know that he, God is so faithful to us that he will establish and protect us and guard us. He will establish us and guard us from the, from the wicked one. The word establish here speaks of giving you an inner strength. He will not leave you to the mercy of temptation. He will be with you. What are some of the ways that we see how the Lord is faithful to us? See that maybe you will call these faithful statements. He has already established you in the Lord Jesus. He remembers your name. He will make you stable and grounded. He will guard you. He will put protection around you. He will help to preserve you and stay firm. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. How faithful is that? We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 and 13, that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. No temptation will take you. Do you, you see that? You will not be overtaken. You will not be overcome. Why? Because God establishes faithfully his strength and his endurance in you. In Christ, there's no temptation that takes you. God is faithful to not allow you to be tempted above what you can handle. He gives you a way to escape. He gives you a victory so that you can honor him and he can be honored and glorified. In verse three, or uh, verses four and five, we see that we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Paul is saying here that I have some great confidence in you, in your love for Jesus, that you will continue to love one another and spread the good news. Paul can say this without any doubt. He tells them, I can see you're doing and will continue to the things you're supposed to do. Remember, Paul witnessed this firsthand. He was confident that they would continue to do the work. He saw them in their labor of love for one another and their steadfastness in Christ in the beginning of the chapter. This is what every pastor would love to say about their congregation. Not only that you do what the word of God teaches you, but you do what God's word says. Our heart and our prayer as your elders and pastors is that you become, and you've heard over and over again, faithful followers of Christ. In the midst of difficulties and troubles, in the midst of persecution and affliction, remember that Jesus Christ, who went through horrific sufferings, remained steadfast to you. He was faithful to you. 
God has shown his faithfulness and exhibited his love in no greater way than sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross. There should be no question that God loves us and that God is faithful to us. God always has been faithful. God will always be faithful and he will continue to be faithful in our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, remember that God loves you. He wants you to embrace the love that he extended to you in Jesus Christ. He wants you to, your heart to grab on to Christ's endurance. Not to fear as you spread the good news. Not to be fearful as you, that you may come under persecution. He will be with you. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, God wants you to know that he loves you. He loves you so much and is patiently waiting to accept his, that you accept his free gift of salvation. He desperately wants you to know that his son Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive your sins. The sins that have kept you separated from him. He is waiting for you. Wait no long, no longer. For Cornerstone, know that God has a purpose for us as a body, that we live for the gospel, that we desire for the advancement of the gospel to the ends of the earth, that the gospel is honored in our lives, is honored in our neighborhoods and our cities and our schools and in our workplaces. If we believe that God is faithful and we embrace in our hearts the love of God and the endurance of Christ, we will be victorious. Amen? I think the band's coming back up. Before we do, let's, uh, let's pray again. Father, thank you. Lord, again, for who you are. Lord, thank you that you give us a way that we can handle what goes on in life. Father, we can trust you as we do your work and your will, Lord, that you will be with us, Father, that you will comfort us, that you will give us grace, that you will give us everything that we need, Father, to do this. We trust you so much, and we see over and over again in your life, in our lives, Father, how faithful you are to us. Help us to never forget that. Help us to always remember that, Lord, and may we speak the good news to all that cross our paths, Father. So we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.